and welcome to the 27th episode of Basha's Thoughts. Today, I was thinking about empires. And I'm interested in empires because I wanted to see how much of what we're going through is actually nothing new. How much of it is just a rinse and repeat of previous empires. And I was also interested in this because of what we talked about in the past episode, where we talked about Brett Weinstein's idea of a perpetual abundance society. So that was the idea that as human beings, we always look for ways of exploring, discovering more and new things, ideas, sometimes places. And so we are always looking for that expansion. And when we have that, when we are able to expand, we seem to be pretty nice to each other and we will tend to look for win-win situations. But when that is no longer available, maybe because there is overpopulation and not enough resources and we cannot expand anymore for whatever reason, well then... We still want to grow and expand, and so we will tend to turn on each other, and we will create more win-lose situations. So the idea was that, what if you could create a perpetual abundance society, where there is always room to grow in some sense, where you can always improve, and you are always abundant, so that you're not just barely surviving so that you're not being oppressed or feeling that you're not able to realize your potential. And for that purpose, I thought it would be really interesting to see the different phases that empires tend to go through, at least the ones that we've had some documentation from in our history. And there is quite a few. Also, it's interesting to see how the length of an empire is pretty much the same. Now, this might seem strange because before, if you wanted to conquer some place, you had to pretty much walk your army over there and conquer the place. Now you can just fly very quickly and conquer other areas of the world that you would not have had access to before. And yes, that does happen. The United States is conquering places in very remote areas in different ways and exploring and exploiting them for their purposes. But the length that it takes to go through the cycle is kind of the same and it seems to be about some 10 generations and it seems to be around some 250 years or 200, sometimes even 300 years. So maybe some 10 generations or so. And so I think that this is actually dictated by human psychology and the different phases that we go through and the different phases that the generations go through. So what are these phases? And have they existed in all of these empires? Indeed, they seem to have existed in most of the empires. The first phase seems to be generated by people who have a lot of energy and courage. They're usually very poor and hardy people. They are good 
at improvising things and they have initiative. So they have a lot of energy and they want to express it. And they are usually pretty aggressive. So these can be, I think they could be considered barbarians very often in the different eras. And why do they invade? Well, probably because of greed. They're tempted by greed. And so they stage these barbaric invasions of more well-established places. And then, once they take over the place, they will usually spread their particular characteristics, whatever they may be, if it's a particular type of philosophy or maybe a legal system or maybe they're into religion or poetry, whatever it might be. They tend to spread that and at the same time adopt the different structures that are already there. So maybe some weapons or methods and strategies and they become more organized and more disciplined but they still maintain this courage and initiative. So this is the first phase where you invade and take over and start the empire. After that, there is a commercial type of phase where you're still interested in exploring this more adventurous military goal because those are kind of the ones that drive you mostly. And so you want to expand and you do continue that aggressive expansion. And you, as you gain more land, you open up greater and greater areas for commerce and it becomes easier to establish commercial routes. And in the past you had no passports or customs or permits or anything like that. Now, when you start to amass more and more wealth because of these commercial routes. Now you start turning towards art and luxury because the influx of wealth is now a lot more effortless than it was before and some people become immensely rich. And so now the drive is more to become famous and seen and known so you might buy art you might sponsor artists and be known for that, the patron of the arts. You might build yourself a beautiful palace and architecture becomes more prominent, infrastructure grows. And still you have those values of courage, of duty that you had in the military time when you were invading mo more. So now you have courage, patriotism, duty, virtues, and you are proud of what you have accomplished. You have self-confidence. And for some reason at this time, truth is a very important virtue. And when it comes to schooling, especially at this time, it's young men, it's essential to create these strong courageous men who will be devoted to truth and duty, who will also be interested in new explorations, enterprise. But the schooling of these young men is really harsh. 
in some places you had all kinds of things where you take ice baths and so you, because you really want them to be hardy and manly in whatever way so that they become good virtuous soldiers that can carry on this society after that we move into an era of affluence now is the time when money becomes more important and we see a decline in the ideas of being strong, brave, self-confident, courageous, dutiful, enterprising. These slowly start to degrade, but this is gradual. And apparently, usually, the first decline is a moral decline, where money replaces honor and adventure, where before you really wanted to be an honorable, adventurous young man, now you're more interested in amassing wealth. And it's not wealth for your country or your community. It's more for selfish reasons. After that, we usually see a decline in duty. So there is no more honor and service. Instead, we are looking for cash, money. And now the schools also morph, and the students also morph. Now you teach in order to prepare them to get good jobs. And people are interested in the degrees so that they can get a job, not so that they can become honorable, virtuous, or anything else. The goal is more oriented towards money. At this stage, there is greater greed and selfishness. And also the society becomes more defensive. There is more money than courage in the society. And ideas of what it means to be civil or civilized come in more and more. And you become too proud to fight. A conquest seems like something immoral. And this is when you start moving into the age of the intellect. By the way, these different phases are the phases that John Glubb described based on his studies of the different empires. Uh, so we move into the phase of the intellect. Here uh, we are moving away. So we're moving away from first searching for adventure and military glory. Then we moved into accumulation of wealth. And now we also want knowledge. So we're moving into the time of knowledge. At this time, universities start to arise and pop up in different places. Because now a lot of people have their necessities covered and they can even get luxurious goods. And so there's time for knowledge and learning. So during the age of commerce, people wanted fame. And so they sponsored the arts, music, literature. Now we're moving towards sponsoring knowledge. And this is the era when we do tend to see greater advances in natural sciences. There's discussion, debate, arguments. After that, we move into civil unrest. 
this is where there's no longer as much expansion. So this would be this phase where we start turning on each other more. So we have internal problems, strikes, demonstrations, protests, maybe civil wars, internal things that stop the society. We will also tend to see more foreigners, especially in the capitals of these societies. Because of the open commerce, this is pretty normal. And it's normal that we will see people who have been there for generations now, but who came from maybe very distant areas. And this is when we move into the era of decadence, frivolity. Now pessimism starts to abound. And the idea of just eating, drinking, using whatever we want in um, maybe unethical ways becomes pretty common. And in these eras, we will tend to see new kinds of heroes. Now our heroes become athletes, singers, actors. These are our role models. And I find it so interesting because if you look at the Arabian empire, which was a thousand years ago, and you look at the last phase, the phase of decadence, there were actually people who were writing down what was going on in society. And they were writing how sad they were that they were living in these times when there is so much corruption when politicians who take office do so and just amass a lot of money for themselves, when there's indifference to religion, when materialism is taking over and sexuality is also taking over in unhealthy ways. And they were writing about these popular singers with erotic songs and their instruments, which at that time were the lute, and they were writing about how language was being changed and how foul words were becoming the norm. And it wasn't, would not have been accepted or liked before. Also, often at this time, you will see that there's a type of welfare state where the state starts to provide a lot of things for everyone and people start to expect everything. Uh, the Roman mob, for instance, demanded free meals and free games so that they could eat and watch because these games, these games were often not very kind <laughs> events. In these times, for instance, during the Arabian Empire, they created hospitals, free hospitals, all the way from Spain for people. And free education, free higher education, universities were popping up everywhere. And at that time, it becomes, everything becomes more open and accessible to everyone. So also women become more prominent in society and women become in the Arabian Empire, for instance, you had women lawyers, women university professors, you had women judges, and the writers of the time were writing that 
they don't understand why women would want to be tax collectors or preachers or clerks. That just seemed puzzling to them, but they were. Now, this ultimately ends in a collapse. And unfortunately, in the case of the Arabian Empire, it led to a lot of violence and a very violent society. So after that, it wasn't safe for a woman to walk unescorted. It was too violent, and so the whole women's movement just fell away, as did many other things in that society at that time. And right now, we are at that point, the decadence era. Our erotic lute <laughs> singers have arrived. If you think about it, it's even funny because it's so similar. I mean, we, we started having the idea of rock stars, right? Who have this guitar-like lute, is a guitar-like, you could say, instrument. And uh, they became the heroes. I don't know if it was in the 80s or even before that. Not sure when the idea of a rock star was born. But all of these things have kind of already happened. And, and if you look, for instance, towards the end of the Russian Empire, the kinds of things that were going on then are very similar to things that are going on right now. People wanted to create a revolution. They wanted to take over, take down the privileged. Now we see an expression of that in the gender politics, identity politics. Uh, we see it in the Black Lives Matter movement. We see it very clearly, and especially in the United States. And we're starting to see the very violent types of expressions of these movements. And, uh, for instance, the idea that the foreigners in these societies all of a sudden start remembering something that their ancestors went through and start complaining about that. This is very typical in that phase. And it is exactly what we're seeing, for instance, in the United States. We're seeing people walking on streets with bullhorns screaming at the inhabitants and telling them to leave their homes because they live on stolen land. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, the people who are screaming have absolutely nothing to do with what happened to their ancestors, and yet this is what they identify with and what they focus on. This is very common. It was interesting for me to actually interact with a group of people from the west coast of the United States just a couple of days ago. It was a group of 10 people and we interacted only for an hour and I was really surprised to see how much of their focus is on identity politics. The person who was leading the group started off by saying, for instance, that, oh, by the way, our company is the only company of the sort of company that it was that is run by African-Americans. And I thought, oh, okay, okay, that's interesting, I guess, maybe. But where are these African-Americans? 
they're running it, but they're not present there. And it was only after a couple of minutes that I realized that he was actually talking about himself. I hadn't identified him as an African-American. But then I realized when I started thinking, you know what? Maybe one of his ancestors somewhere back when actually was from Africa. He does have dark hair. Maybe some of his traces look a little African. Not sure if his skin is any darker, but yeah. And apparently he was identifying as an African-American. Where to me it was pretty obvious that that was a very, very small part of his genetic makeup. And yet that was his focus. Also throughout the interaction, many times he referred to being supportive of minority groups, other types of minority groups. And actually it got to the point where there was a a moment when a white man, you could say, expressed an opinion and then he added something to what he had said before. And I was actually starting to feel uncomfortable and think, oh my gosh, you better not talk that much because I think that you are seen as the oppressor by everyone in this group. And and that was just so, so funny for me to notice that everything seemed to be around this subject, even though this subject had nothing to do with the purpose of this group. So that was very interesting for me to see and experience. All right, so what is going to happen? If we look at history, history will tell us the next phase is a collapse. Exactly how it will happen is perhaps not clear, but that it will happen seems quite clear. And then we can go back to this idea of this perpetual abundance society. So just having abundance is not enough. Looking at the phases that empires tend to go through, whenever we are in this abundant phase, this is where we start shifting towards more greed. So we move away from virtue, duty, helping others, and we move into selfishness and greed. Money and power become more and more important to us. And this takes a few generations before we move into the collapse, the total collapse. But that is where it starts. And so if we want to have this perpetual abundance society, we have to work with greed and we have to work with power and money. How do we make sure that we do not get corrupted by these. The normal way of dealing with them is a slightly more violent way. What tends to happen naturally is that after the collapse, there is maybe a reign of terror and pretty difficult years, sometimes even hundreds of years. And throughout these hundreds of years of poverty and misery, people change. And then, again, virtues sometimes come up again as something that we strive towards. 
and we can rinse and repeat and have another empire usually somewhere a little bit different with other types of people another culture being the main culture that influences but that's the usual path and so the question is are we do we want to move towards this duty and virtue we kind of do but the problem is that we don't want to impose it in any way we don't want to force it we don't want to have to force people into it which is a little bit what religion often does because it works with fear so if you do not do what we tell you you will go to hell for instance and so the question is can we attain this ideal of virtue ideal of helping others ideal of not being completely selfish and greedy without the fear putting us in that mode without having that beaten into us without controlling parts of ourselves because all of that is based on violence and is repeated over and over so we also talked about jordan peterson uh, i think two episodes ago and right now jordan peterson is like a reaction to what is going on in the age of decadence and he says no there you need to focus on responsibility you need to focus on truth the virtues this is essential and it's interesting because it's actually during the ages of decadence that we see most of the greatest saints come about i believe it's a natural reaction to the high level of decadence that is abounding in that society but again when we talked about jordan peterson and his views that is this old system and this idea of going back to the virtues and discipline and working hard and forcing yourself to do it so the question is is there another way and when it comes to power and money i think that there are some positive ideas ab- around so as i already mentioned in another podcast we do now have a way of organizing without the hierarchies of power which corrupt so many we can now organize through autonomy and create a completely different way of working but now you might ask so what about the different systems that the different empires have employed their governments their ideologies do they matter they don't seem to really matter in the long run when it comes to the length of an empire and the phases that an empire goes through they all seem pretty similar So this is what I'm kind of interested in trying to discover and look for. How could we create that perpetual abundance society where people automatically out of 
love, not out of fear, move towards virtue and a virtuous living. Because this will have to be a key of that society. Because when this does not work, we know that within a few generations we will run into decadence. So this perpetual abundant society will have to solve this. Creating virtue from love among the people. How do you do that? Well, you already know my views on it, if you've listened to other podcasts. But I find this an interesting question. If you have any ideas of uh, how to think about it, let me know. So I think I'll finish here so that it doesn't become too long. And I'll talk to you in another podcast. Take care. Thank you.